Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to the Super Revenue Brothers with Raul and Tony. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how sales and marketing alignment is really like a marriage for better and for worse. Enjoy. Are you married, by the way? <laughs> no. No, you are right. I am. You are. I, I wanted to talk about this anyways. Once you are, you have like the perfect RevOps family, right? Well, then <laughs> you're gonna produce like RevOps ah, cyborgs. That topic, yeah. No, so the funny thing is, uh, my wife also uh, is working revenue operations. Yeah, would have thought. And no, we didn't meet through that. That would have been even more crazy if you think about it. And we have two wonderful little boys. Uh, they're like nine months and almost three years. Um, yeah, they're probably going to do something with data and revenue at some point in their lives. I'm pretty I sure told you, that. they're going to be revenue of cyborgs. Yeah. The reason why I was asking about marriage is like, um, you know, it's like sales and marketing. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Like that mischievous <laughs> there's, smile. There's, there's always this love-hate relationship yes. and, you know, you need to be aligned, but sometimes you're not. So I don't know, maybe talk about this today. Let us do that. I love that topic. I also hate that topic. So, so why do you why do you hate it? So, sales and marketing alignment. I love that topic because I think it's really really important, and it actually is going to be something that differentiates you from competitors, and it's something that's going to make you money. To be honest, but I also hate that topic because we have been so complacent with the least amount of information possible and the least amount of guidance possible on how to get there. Yeah. What I mean by that is, so I've been part of this ecosystem for like 10 years now. Mm. And for 10 years, I've been going to events, let's say in the last five to six more and more, where the top there's a talk and the topic of the talk is like sales marketing alignment, how to achieve it. And basically, there's going to be a CMO and a CSO, and they're going to look nicely into each other's eyes and be like, yeah, now we fought for a while and now we're good. And But it all comes down at the end of the day after half an hour and good feelings to so like, okay, we need to talk more. It's like, okay, yeah. thank you very much for that, right? It was a nice talk, but and I've seen these talks too many times, right? Where basically the gist of it is just talk more. So, you know, besides this talk BS that we don't really, you know, subscribe to, if you're listening to this now and you think like maybe you don't have this problem, how does this problem surface? You know, when is it that someone actually says like, oh, I think we're having a sales or marketing uh, alignment issue here. When are those crucial moments where this bubbles up and someone is like, okay, that's the problem? <laughs> so I think uh, you're formulating it as a problem. I think it's not necessarily a deficiency. I think it's something that can be better and better and you will reap rewards the better it is. Mm. I haven't seen a company where I would say, okay, now you shouldn't be further and better aligned because it's not going to be worth your time. Mm -hmm. But just from a deficiency perspective, and I'm pretty sure you're going to have a lot more examples too, but it, it's really... Very difficult things, but also very basic things. So sales has no idea where the hell the leads are coming from and what they mean. And therefore, they will have no idea on how to differentiate their approach to it because the the lead source in the CRM will be something such as, I don't know, a UTM code that nobody has any understanding of what it means. Yeah. So, I mean, let's kind of just double click on this kind of for a second here. When you say that, would you say it's kind of a, do they need to know which campaign or is is to to what level do they need to be aligned almost in that case, right? Perfect. I love that you answered that question, that you asked that question, because that's exactly what is the start to solving sales and marketing alignment. Someone, maybe two people, 
need to sit down and think about that question, right? And they don't. <laughs> That's why you love the people, question. Yes, some people need to sit down and think about that question because in some companies, it will be that depending on where the campaign is coming from and what kind of source it is, you actually have to have a different approach and you have to say different things or approach the inbound lead a bit, little bit differently yeah. or route it to a different salesperson. And in other companies, it might just be about, oh, this is a campaign that worked in the Netherlands and so I have to send it to the Dutch person. Mm. But this is where things start. So yeah. someone needs to sit down and ask themselves that question. Well, okay, this is kind of, let's just say, lead distribution and how to you know manage those leads, right? Where else would you say that those, <clears throat> and I just want to make it super tangible for everyone, kind of where, where else would you say like those issues come up? And I'll give you one of my favorite examples. It's end of the quarter. The company as a whole is not hitting because obviously sales is not hitting. Sales is sitting there scrambling, trying to close another deal or 10. And marketing is seen celebrating because they hit the MQL target. <laughs> yeah. That is also the exact moment where the VP of sales starts loathing the whole marketing team. And the salespeople too. And, and yeah, no, that's right. It's actually everyone. It's this misalignment of people having a good time versus people not having a good time, coupled with the fact if that were to happen in a vacuum, if both of these teams were to just work in a vacuum, have nothing to do with one another, then that is kind of okay. It's like, ah, oh, that team finished first. These guys didn't make it. But since there's a logical connection between the two, yeah. And one is feeding the other. It actually kind of, that creates real hate, I think, between the teams. If the CMO is celebrating the MQL target, while he or she probably missed their revenue uh, contribution to the sales team, right? So this is, you know, one of those other moments where I feel this hate is building up. And it's something that has, I think most more companies than they should are sort of tolerating that. So if you, and it's weird to me that in this sphere we are tolerating that. So think about, I don't know if you're into that, like a Formula One racing team, mm -hmm. right? Think about, there are some people who put the wheels on the car and then there's others who like fuel the car and then there's others who train the, the driver. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have the people who put the wheels on the car be like, okay, we put them on the, on the car really, really nicely, really fast, right? But then the car crashes like you're not going to see them jumping around be like oh we we did such a great job it's like no the car crashed like there's no point in what you did and so and and it's normal like in in sports like if you're going to be a uh, I, I don't know the 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 towel person who hands the towels to a football team you're not going to be happy when the team loses you're going to be like okay oh, we lost that that's a bad thing yeah. but sort of in, in our environment sometimes we're okay with one team being fine with celebrating while the others are down I think another one, and I'm just going to keep going a little bit in this direction, and maybe this is earlier on though, is when you have a bit of a split in ICP, when sales thinks, well, we're going after these guys because they're closing, but marking things, hey, the CEO said we want to, typical one is enterprise, let's just say it like that. Marketing tries and goes after enterprise, you know, big enterprise messaging and, you know, the Forrester, you know, quadrant or Gartner quadrant or whatever they're in it. But the sales team is is closing mid-market deals. You basically have a misalignment of what each of these teams are actually hunting for, right? Uh, and some of that might be driven from the CEO, by the way. Don't get me wrong. But this is one of those typical examples where, where even if you had set the right MQL targets or whatever and everything is totally aligned, if they're fundamentally shooting for a different set of the market, uh, you'll, you'll get just misalignment kind of across, across the board in this. I'm not sure if you've seen something like that and the teams that you've kind of worked with, but I see this a lot. So this goes to my solution now for, okay, because I think I've got it solved, 
right? So that's a big, that's a bold statement. And actually, no, I haven't solved the, the thing in your company, but I think I know how I would approach this topic by now. Mm. And the we have to get away from the idea that it's just going to be, let's say you and me are CMO and CSO. Yeah. We just get to talk to each other once more, or we have one Excel where we work out from. Mm-hmm. And we have to get to the world where this is actually something that is worth having to, due to a lot of different reasons. Maybe we can get into that a bit more. But that takes different dimensions with different owners and different tasks that people have to do. And specifically, you can even slice and dice it differently, but you have to have a strategic layer where there's sales and marketing alignment. And that's most likely being done by the CSO and the CMO, for example, if it's not one person. Mm which is what are we even trying to achieve? So there needs to be sort of one direction that they're even going towards, mm. which already to some extent should rule out the, we're going for different ICP targets, mm-hmm. right? There needs to be a people layer, which is, okay, people, and, and under that is also enablement, and there's, but there's also social aspect to it. So we sort of get along, right? We, have, we drink a beer sometimes, or we even understand what marketing is doing, and marketing understands how difficult it is to do sales. By the way, which is why I'm a big component of, if you're going to start in marketing in a company, you should do. You should sit with the SDRs for a week or two. One thousand percent. Yeah, and the other way around, by the way. So yeah. you know how hard it is. Like as an SDR, you should sometimes sit down with the marketing team and know how hard they work to produce one MQL. Yeah, but that's the people component, right? And as you go further down, I would say there's a couple more components. So there's the strategy part, there's the people part, there's the processes that need to be aligned, there's data and tech. And you could split them up further, but let's keep it at those. Mm. And I think that for each of those, there's a package of work that needs to be done continuously all the time by a certain amount of people. And those are to-dos that need to be done. So you mentioned, I mean, there's obviously kind of, to a degree, you kind of rattled off the job description of revenue operations a little bit here, right? Is that your fix or what's your approach? So I think there's different kinds of worlds, right? I wouldn't say that revenue operations is going to solve all of that. Yeah. But it will be one of the biggest, if not the biggest building block in solving sales and marketing alignment. And there can be different ways of doing that. So either you're going to have one person doing all of that, which is sometimes the case, especially if you're early on. Like you're going to have one person who's going to be doing everything from Salesforce admin to marketing ops yeah. to even customer success ops or customer service ops, setting up Zendesk. That happens a lot more. Mm. That happens a lot more than the other case. But let's, let's keep it at just as a construct in a simple way. I think in a world where you have maybe a sales ops person and a marketing ops person, that part of their job is to sit around with each other daily and bash each other's heads in constantly and come up with, we need to align processes here. For me to be able to do this campaign, I will need you to lose some part on data. And But, for, but on the other hand, for me, you have to do something for me on the people's side. Yeah, I think, let me hear where you fall on this. I think if you have the marketing ops and the sales ops report to the VP of sales and VP of marketing respectively, I think you will drive disalignment. You will proactively drive disalignment versus the opposite. And and here's the reason. The reason is that those siloed operations teams or people, they will be weaponized to, hey, here's my data, here's my report, here's, here's how I'm hitting my target. And then the VP sales comes in with like his sales ops to try and dispute or show other data, other numbers and so forth. That's what I've, you know, that's what I've experienced a lot actually, where then, you know, operations, siloed operations, if they're reporting to different leaders, that they are sometimes in this already high stakes, right? That's why there's so much pressure around this is high stakes and then can develop, you know, toxic real quick. 
when you then add to it, oh, here's kind of different data sets, different reports, different dashboards, they're conflicting and so forth. You're just creating even more disalignment in all of those different functions, right? So this is obviously kind of my pitch to say like, well, if you have those ops folks, even with the most benevolent, you know, leaders that they're kind of reporting to, try and put them into one team. So as you speak, they can, you know, bang their hands together and figure out all of those difficult problems together. I, I like that word, the weaponization of sales ops. Yeah. I No, I, I know what you mean. I think that's a risk you run into, especially if you have it as you described it right now. However, that is why I started with you need to be aligned on strategy. So if, and that's why I think also sales marketing ops need to be really, really close to strategy. Yeah. If there is one plan that both of us, CMO and CSO, are, are, are going after, then it is really up to the sales and marketing ops person to sort of fulfill that plan. But when you say fulfill that plan, I mean, what do you mean with that? It sounds big. <laughs> so th there sort of needs to be a one strategy that we're going after, right? Mm -hmm. Is that strategy going to be that we're trying out a couple different channels right now? Mm -hmm. And then we know when we, like, are we sort of building up a growth experimentation engine right now? Mm -hmm. Are we sort of in scaling things right now? Are we trying, uh, are we in, in dual mode where maybe in some segments of the market we are scaling and then the, and the others we're trying some things out? Sort of a general, where are we going, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can break that down even further, maybe have some hypotheses on how we're trying to achieve those things. This alignment should come before sales and marketing ops bash each other's heads, and as I talked about. And maybe that can come from just having another entity above that, which is a CRO, for example, mm -hmm. above these two people. Yeah. Or it could come, however, I, I agree with you, sometimes it would be naive to assume that those people are just going to do that with each other. Yeah. I would say, though, it is funny to me that we assume that CMO and CSO are never going to reach an agreement, but then all the others are always going to. Like no, I know, but it's just that thing. It's usually where the company is seeing the most hurt, kind yeah. of where, you know, where it goes wrong. And it's obvious, right? And I actually think that one of the main differences between a CSO and a you know, CMO, it's actually this long-term versus short-term balancing. And I think this is where, and, you know, I'll talk about a couple of other things maybe later on, but the... You know, where they fundamentally disagree from a philosophical perspective even is that the sales guy always is end of quarter, end of fucking quarter. We need to close, we need to close, we need to close, we need to close. And the CMO, if it's a good one, understands that, yes, we can drive some more short-term pipeline, but we do need to think a little bit longer term. We do need to think about next quarter. We do need to think about the end of the year. And balancing those two things out, it's always super difficult to... You know, we had, you know, one campaign super top funnel where we basically kind of put out a, hey, this is salary benchmark for this role that we're gunning for. Guess what? People just, you know, downloaded it all the time. It yeah. was like so interesting for them. It's like, I'm a social media manager, you know, previous company. I'm a social media manager. I want to effing know how much everyone is own, uh, earning because I want to then earn more, you know? And then the VP of sales is like, okay, how is that exactly helping me to close more business this quarter? I don't understand that at all. And why did we spend so many resources on this, right? And that is kind of what's driving this rift between those two teams. The VP of sales has the luxury to always think short-term. The VP marketing has to sometimes think long-term. And uh, and that's where it almost feels like resources are misaligned. It's like, you know, you're planning for like three to six months from now. We're failing in this quarter. You should be scratching all of that and focusing on the today as well, right? Yeah. And I think this is... You know, me as a CEO looking at this, well, actually the VP of sales needs to upskill just a little bit. You know, he or she needs to understand the other side of the coin also, 
while yes, managing the frustrations that come with maybe not hitting target at the same time, right? But I think this is where a lot of the the misalignment between those two teams actually is rooted in. I would agree with you. I think more CSOs should become a little bit more long-term thinking than CMOs should become long, short-term thinking. Yeah, I would actually agree. <laughs> However, I would say that it, it would be, and this goes back to my problem with this, with this topic, right? It just putting it only on the CSO and the CMO is exactly the kind of thing that people have been talk, talking about for 10 years and that has not led to solving the problem. Mm. Which is why, again, I'm saying to solve this problem, many, many different people need to do many different jobs constantly, mm. including the heads of sales who need to align on processes together, probably with the, the revenue ops or the sales ops and marketing ops person. Socially, the people need to be aligned. They need to be brought together to drink a beer together. There needs to be some sort of data and technology alignment, mm. right? So we're talking maybe on each side up to 10 people that sort of have this as one of their responsibilities. Yeah. And then you go away from, oh, we're too biased just by the CSO being short-term oriented. Is yeah. the CSO going to have a, lo- a big impact? Obviously, they're a C-level. But if we go from an aligned business plan and from an aligned revenue sort of engine understanding, and so from aligned, how is that revenue going to come to be this year? You're going to lo- run into low risk. Yeah. I think, and you mentioned this kind of in, in, in your sentence, like, hey, should we work off the same Excel spreadsheet? I think there's, you know, one thing that is sometimes being overlooked which is around this topic, actually, which is about having an aligned operating model that both of these teams executing against and agreeing on, yeah? And the operating model <clears throat> really means how is, how is the DNA of your revenue engine, if you will? How is it set up, right? You have an inbound motion with demo requests leading to opportunities, so true hand raises, you have maybe you know white papers and webinar downloads, kind of top funnel stuff that has a different you know velocity throughout your engine. You have an outbound team that's generating opportunities and so forth. You will have CSMs and so forth. But having both of these leaders understand that that is the same operating model, which doesn't happen in two separate spreadsheets that are disconnected, not not technically speaking, but logically speaking, disconnected. I think this is a biggie, and ideally. Ideally, you get to the point where you can actually derive their targets from that operating model, right? And say, okay, dear uh, CMO, for us to hit, you know, revenue this quarter, you need to deliver whatever MQLs and pipeline and so forth. And that then enables the sales guy to hit his or her target as well, right? And and having that as one central spot to understand and go to and and, and come to the same conclusions... I think that that is sometimes the root cause for not having those aligned targets, which then leads to someone celebrating when someone else can't, right? Yep. And that's my, you know, I wouldn't just brush over this as, you know, some of those more boring topics, but it's, I feel sometimes more tangible than to say, you know, to your point, we just need to talk more often. It's like, no, we need to talk more often about the important stuff. And the important stuff is, do we actually agree how we're making money in this organization? And if we do agree then let's set the targets correctly and give ownership, right? Kind of say, you know, sales owns the SAL number, marketing owns the MQL number. And, you know, however you split it up and the conversion rates in between kind of create real ownership of each of the different funnel pieces that are basically encoded in your operating model. And and trust each other too. And this starts already, as I said, with the onboarding. It's trust is 
big topic here, but trust is generated by everyone involved there. It's not just, I mean, if the CSO and CMO don't trust each other, it's already a problem, especially if they carry that mistrust into the organizations respectively. But you have to trust that the other part is doing their best. They're sort of also equipped to do a good job and you can't do their job. I see way too many CMOs trying to do a CSO job where they're like, okay, we're delivering you all these beautiful leads and you're screwing up. And you're not doing a good job. It's like, okay, no, but maybe actually their leads are not as beautiful. And maybe they are, but we could do better. And the same thing. So let's not try to do each other's job all the time. Let's try to learn from each other and then get to the best outcome possible. And that sounds really very much like a utopia because, again, it is very much more utopian if it just depends on two people like really falling in love with each other. And it's much more easy and much more feasible if, as a whole, two organizations merge into one. Yeah, Which is why, by the way, also there's a bigger trend nowadays towards a uniting maybe rather a VP sales and a VP marketing under a CRO. CRO. Yeah. And also a bigger trend towards, let's say you have a sales ops person, a marketing ops person, having them in an own department with a director you, revenue ops. Would you say that this whole trend of CRO and, and rev ops is that to a large degree an answer to this alignment problem? Interesting. I think, I don't know if it's an answer to that, if that's how it came to be. I think it, it's probably a mix between many different things because to be a CRO is sort of also a different skill set than to be a CSO or CMO. So maybe it's also that there was more material of people who could be that mm. and they sort of grew from different roles, maybe also through having gone through revenue ops roles into being that. So I think there is more people who could do it and they sort of just shaped the role around that. But also I think, yes, it, it was something that was demanded and it was something where you didn't need someone to put it under and to sort of have both combined. If I think now, let's say back 10 years, you could afford to be more misaligned, right? You could afford, <laughs> yeah. because like you could win the battle on the sales front, you could win the battle on the marketing front. Now that things have become more efficient, you sort of have to gain more from bringing things together as well. Yeah, I think, you know, this whole, <laughs> I think people talk about this misalignment piece and sometimes they're a bit like less affair about it. It's like, ah, they don't like each other that much. But it's a real, it's a real, you know, efficiency problem, actually, right? If you have two parts in an engine that actually don't function together, you will probably not get as much, you know, a mileage for your fuel that you're putting in. So there's some real, there's some real cost that you pay at the end of the day, and I think that cost will explode, you know, past the 10 million of AR. And you know, at that point, latest at that point, you should have revenue operations like absolutely 100% sure you should have revenue operations. Much at that earlier. Point. You should have much earlier, but at that point, for sure you should have. And I think at that point and not earlier, you can start having the debate whether or not you want to have a CRO, by the way. I think trying to go for a CRO at like five or three million, I think it's silly. I, I wouldn't recommend it at all. The I feel the you know very much straightforward uh, reason why you would hire a CRO is either to insource lots of commercial knowledge and how to kind of build this engine that you didn't have before, or it's about not necessarily sales and marketing, but it's around alignment in the commercial organization. So in my second gig, that was very much what the reason why they hired me was really around tweaking away the massive issues that happened between marketing and sales. And it even led to a place where they were almost optimizing against one another. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't have a great example right now, but it's, yeah. It's really the 
hey, my sales guys should only be receiving the best leads. So we kind of auto disqualify all the MQLs that we don't like and not even giving it a shot and stuff, right? So to torturing the CMO. Yeah, kind of, you know, proving points and stuff. And obviously that led not only to uh, very heated management conversations, but also just to, you know, yes, they left revenue on the wayside. And also here. incredibly inefficient money spent. Yeah, yeah, no. But you know how it is? I mean, all of these ambition people and and then kind of going through this, I, I can see how this kind of happens. Do I have an opinion whether or not that's smart? I mean, yes, for sure, right? And so that's why I think um, uh, CRO very much has to do with uh, alignment. Uh, I don't want to say CRO is the alignment role in this sense, but I think once you reach 10 million euros and you start to having some of those alignment issues, you probably want to invest in like a ticket, like a CRO to help take care of that, right? Earlier than that, I, th I don't think it makes sense. Why not? Like what? Are you, are you going to get rid of your up to so far successful CMO and CSO? Are you going to say one of them is going to develop into a CRO? Like it's not clear to me how you would play that and why that boundary is exactly at that point to be too. So <clears throat> whether or not it's 10 exactly, right? It's kind of, that's it. That's, I think we don't discuss that. But I think what happens around the 10 is you go from a, you kind of pass the go to market fit stage. So you have this zero to one is your product market fit roughly. Then one to 10 is you go to market fit, right? And then you go into scale. And scaling is then really kind of taking what works and bringing it further. And I think kind of someone with a CRO title and understanding of the revenue engine, I think can be extremely helpful with that. I think the other thing is also, if you're b before 10, the friction that you might have from sales and marketing being misaligned simply isn't as big yet to warrant hiring someone in. Right? Is that an exact science? I'm not 100% sure, obviously. It's difficult to kind of tell. But also when you're thinking, you know, uh, 10 million, you know, you will have a VP of sales, VP of marketing that, you know, run a sizable organization, right? Not massive, but sizable. And then bringing it to the next level, I think that's where a CRO then can actually help in scaling this further out. I have a puzzle for you then. Let's go. So the reason I'm so confident about, I, th I, th I actually do think, even though it's, it's just a concept, that this is sort of a paradigm shift in solving marketing and sales alignment, right? So mm -hmm. we've done this with many companies by now, and we have seen significant improvement in their sales and marketing alignment and also business outcomes of it. Once we have actually broken down things into to-dos, into meetings, into lists for people to go through on mm -hmm. a regular basis and ownerships, responsibilities, and also things that were tracked as performance reviews, things have gotten better. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the one thing that we haven't cracked so far is how do you measure sales and marketing alignment? So, yeah, I was about to ask you, actually. Yes, yeah. and, and I have not cracked it. Like, there are some things that I would say come close. So you could go more into the SLA route. You could go more into the how many are we losing on the SAL front and say, okay, the better we become at yeah. creating the right leads and, yeah. and all that. You could be talking more about customer acquisition costs and efficiency of marketing spend. But that's not really necessarily because it doesn't encompass how well people understand each other and how well people can also do their work because of the, the improved alignment. Yeah, let me. So think. what I'm trying to do here is solve something for me that I haven't solved yet. Yeah, I'm kind of puzzling through this right now. I think it's it's obviously very difficult to prove a negative, right? Kind of, oh, yeah. you know, someone comes in and it's not there anymore. I think you can measure it by the health of the commercial team's leadership. Uh, it's number one, I think. If you start having constructive discussions because the problems are not going to go away, right? I mean, just someone comes in and, you know, it does mean that the actual issues that you have in your funnel are disappearing in that second. But the way you then approach that problem is going to be different. It's going to be less finger pointy, less blamey. It's going to be more, okay, this is our problem. You know, this, we don't have enough SQLs 
That is our problem to figure out, right? Uh, and yes, you can figure this problem out by creating more MQLs or by helping to convert more of them into SQLs or however mm -hmm. you want to kind of deal with this. And once you make it an us problem, then even the VP of sales can chip in instead of saying like, well, marketing guy, you just need to give me more demo requests. I want demo requests, they need to be above 250 people, they need to be in technology, although everything else is shit, right? If you have that approach, then it's going to be extremely difficult to improve that, right? So you actually need all sides to kind of come together and figure some of that stuff out. And having a good conversation where both of them are chipping in, I think that's, you know, one sign of reaching this, which then also has to do with a reduction of conflict a little bit further down the organization, right? So once VP and sales and marketing, you know, once they kind of get along a little bit better and understand the limitations and difficulties of each other's department, that will also filter down to the directors and the managers and so forth, right? And I think, yes, then, you know, what you will sometimes see is, you know, at a sizable organization, you're passing some of that change or executing some of that change in the organization is a little bit like passing a bill through Congress, right? You need to find your champions. You need to kind of tweak it. Everyone mm. needs to be heard. And now everyone needs to buy in. And if you have this attitude of, no, I'm blocking this as a VP of sales instead of, okay, I don't like these two aspects. Can we do something about it? I think those are small little breadcrumbs where you start seeing that marketing misalignment, sales and marketing misalignment is kind of decreasing. And what's going to come out of that is a more healthy, better functioning revenue engine. And I think one way to measure it, because you asked me like that, is going to be around sales and marketing leadership and commercial leadership, actually. Mm. Another way, very kind of straightforward, is actually what was the baseline last year? Kind of how did our conversion rates and ACVs and what have you look like? And how did it now increase? And what's the difference between those two? I don't want to call this the sales and marketing alignment uh, improvement. I want to call it the revenue operations influenced <laughs> pipeline. <laughs> yeah, I think we're... The, in, <laughs> There's many different ways that I've thought about this, but this has been one of the most more promising so far is where you think sort of in cohorts, right? Because what you're trying to say is, hey, there's a list of things we need to do on a regular basis. If we do them for a certain amount of time that is associated with a certain cohort, yep. and that, by the way, also solves that, hey, marketing is thinking six, long, uh, six months forward and sales is thinking right now, just think in cohorts, yep. right? Because then you factor these, these in anyways. And then... Once these things have been done that should be done, you look at the next court and say, okay, is there a couple of markers that have gotten better or not? Mm. Such as, for example, SAL or not. Is there a couple of markers that have improved in general? And then you build one number out of that. Now, yeah. I have not arrived at that specific number yet. We also haven't needed to. But I would think that's quite interesting because then you can maybe also run some diagnostics. So let's say you are a CSO coming in. You're trying, like, can you come up with a number where you can try to understand how well is marketing and sales alignment functioning yeah. right now? Wonderful. Tony, that was very interesting. I think, I don't know if you believe me now that I've solved this problem. No, we've solved it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Great. World peace if, has if, been... If, any, if anyone has still questions, then uh, then you just didn't listen hard enough. Okay. You know? Otherwise, let's wait for our talk where we put it, where we go on the stage and talk about how to talk more with each other. There you go. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. Thank Thanks, you. everyone, for listening. Thanks, Raul. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye.